Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show, the big show, the most important and critically acclaimed podcast that is recorded in our living room. That's right. It's still cold. It's still icy. It's still blech outside. <laughs> it is, in fact, blecker than it was before. It is the blechest you can imagine. Well, no, it's not the blechest you can imagine, but it is pretty cold. It's pretty nasty. I just got back from a short stint at the, at the gym. I went over to the gym, which is a couple blocks away from our house, and my hands feel like they're frozen. I mean, I, I don't have the dexterity in them that I normally have. I had gloves on. But you know how it is. That's your your extremities tend to get. Is that how it is? Frost nipped. Frost nipped. I'm not. You have uh, been frost nipped. I've been frost nipped. You have. Well, I'm going to hide my hands under my pillow and sit in my big comfy chair and warm up. And talk I don't, about. I don't, frost I'm not going to get an amputation, am I? No, because this is frost nip and not frost bite, which doesn't generally require amputations, but sometimes. If you haven't figured it out, today's um, podcast is about cold injuries. And she is, she being our medical person, although she is not a doctor nor a nurse, she is a physiologist and she does know some of these things. She knows diagnosis and how the little stuff swims around in you. He hears more about that than he wants to know. You don't want to see the pictures. No. You don't want to know. Uh. You don't want to read this textbook. You really don't. <laughs> so I'm going to let her take it. The point of today is that there are multiple kinds of cold injuries. And it was brought up in my mind when people were having this Im- immense freak out over the fact that it's negative degrees. And things are being canceled right and left because it's cold out there. Yeah, it's really, yeah, it's a little colder than normal, but it gets down, last year it got down to like 15 below. And tonight, last night it was 16 below. So, so it's not like it's not like this is a, a new thing. But apparently with the internet, there's more drama associated with Oh, this weather. polar vortex, <laughs> whatever that name was. I'm not paying any attention. It's a cold snap. You don't need to name a cold <laughs> snap. Come on, people. Grow up. Yeah. Just grow the heck up. I was... Hearing from some people who thought they might get frostbite when they crossed the two blocks to meet with me. And I had to explain to these people that you can't really get frostbite that fast unless you live somewhere a heck of a lot colder than northeast Missouri. Because frostbite is one of the two major types of cold injury. But what frostbite actually means is tissues are frozen solid. So when your fingers get really cold and they get really pale and you lose dexterity and they're numb, but you squeeze on them and they feel like fingers, that's not frostbite. That's what's called frost nip. And it's unpleasant, but not dangerous. I got frost nipped. Yeah. And he's mostly over it now because I can see his, his hands are return to their normal color. Frostbite is when the tissues actually freeze. And uh, what I've been doing mostly is reading the Wilderness Medical Society's uh, information on frostbite and hypothermia because they have very good information and it is very proper relevant since they're dealing with people who might be in austere situations, don't have access to medical help, have to do the best they can with what they've got. 
and are exposed a lot. So, this, this where is, I got the information from. This is the kind of stuff that that a lot of people across the United States apparently don't know. Now, people who live in International Falls, Minnesota, they know about this. Now, you've all heard about International Falls, right? There's There's certain places on the planet that have some really weird topography that makes them particularly cold. The coldest place on the planet is not like Antarctica. It's Russia. It's in Siberia. Because there's a certain thing about this one spot in this one valley that just gets particularly cold. In fact, Thunder Bay is a couple hours drive east of International Falls. I looked this up this morning because I was curious. International Falls, Minnesota is right on, it's on the Canadian border. It literally is, there, the, you go across, the, there's a paper mill in both the United States and Canada, and you to go across the border, you actually go across the bridge that's from one side of the paper mill to the other side. It's kind of weird. But it's less than a, well, it's right about a two-hour drive from, from International Falls to Thunder Bay. This morning at 8 a.m., International Falls was at minus 35 degrees Fahrenheit. Just talking straight up, not wind chill. Wind chills, but I don't, we don't do wind chill. <laughs> but International Falls was minus 35, and Thunder Bay was minus 14. But Thunder Bay is on the lake. And big bodies of water modulate so, temperature. Yeah, you, you don't know. It, it, and part of actually prepping, if you're looking for a place to bug out, might want to ta- start taking a look at um, the local weather as compared to places around there. For example, we're not very far from St. Louis, but they get a heck of a lot more snow than we do, even though we're north of them. And not just the averages either. The likelihood of atypical events, very strong events, is an important consideration. Right. And, in and Montana, so, for example, you might be snowed in all winter long, some winters. That's true. You might never see the ground for six months. Or there are places in Montana that aren't that bad. They're cold, but they're not, you know, as snowy. Uh, but anyway, I don't want to take this completely off the rails, but it's just like, but we were saying that there was a, uh, there was a uh, wind chill warning in northern Georgia last night. Now, that's unusual. You have to admit, that's unusual. And yeah. people y'all in Georgia may not know what to do. First of all, the bridges will ice first. Okay? <laughs> they know that. Let's they have that. signs okay, at every bridge. Over that. <laughs> but y'all may not realize, and then you get these little frost nips and think, oh, my gosh, my fingers are going to need to be amputated. Or you get a more serious problem and don't know what to do with it. Or worse yet, hypothermia is a sneaky sucker. Yes. We'll talk about hypothermia in a bit. A frostbite is a little more straightforward because the tissues feel frozen. It can happen very quickly, but only when temperatures are extremely cold, because the tissues have to freeze solid. And when we mean extremely cold, we're talking extremely cold. We're not talking, some of y'all think 15 degrees above zero is extremely cold. It's only extremely cold if you're out in it for a long time. It was. I barely put a coat on for 15 15 below here today with a pretty brisk wind, and I could have gotten frostbite in probably half an hour if I'd left chunks of skin exposed. Yeah. And here, she, she said something on social media that's just so true. Come on, people. You're walking, you're walking from the car to the front door of the office building. You know, you're, you're, not, you're walking 100 feet. You're not going to freeze. You're not <laughs> going to freeze. Time. Your biggest concern really needs to be when it's this cold, watch the ice on the sidewalk so you don't slip and break yourself. 
Seriously, that's your that's biggest concern. That's, that's your big real risk. risk is watching the ice. I've saw I've heard several people fell today. Uh, one person did break their leg today. Mm. I did not fall today. Yeah. So that that's a real concern, especially if you're not a young person anymore. Um, so anyway, frostbite. Yeah. Frostbite. So go ahead and read the article. She's got some some stuff in there. We're not going to re- go ahead and repeat the entire article here. Uh, one thing though couple things. Keep it frozen until you can keep it thawed for the foreseeable future. So if you're in a tent at night and you have to walk again in the morning, you might not want to thaw that sucker out. It's better to leave it frozen solid than to have it go through freeze-thaw cycles. It hurts a lot less, too. Yeah. And when you are thawing that sucker out, it is very sensitive to cold injury and pressure injury. And it's got no sensation. So it's very easy to overheat the tissues and actually get burns of various types when you are trying to thaw out something with frostbite because you don't notice it's happening because you can't feel it. All right, let's talk about snow. There's the old wives' tale of packet and snow. Let's not talk about packing frozen bits in snow. (laughs) This is a no. Do not. This is an old wives' tale. It is total bogus, totally wrong. Don't do it. If you have a frozen pork shoulder that you want to have a month from now, and you wish to keep it frozen, that you can pack in snow. But do not rub frostbitten things with snow. There is no good can come of that. All you could do is frostbite some more stuff right around it. And uh, incur (sighs) tissue damage by rubbing something that's got a bunch of ice crystals in it and mashing. When you rub on something that is frostbitten, you're actually... It's like taking a bunch of ice crystals and smearing them around over soft, delicate inner parts, and it's not cool. Let's do that. Let's do that. (laughs) Yeah, it made it sound very attractive, didn't I? Okay. Okay, So that's frostbite. And once you know that it feels like the flesh is frozen, you can recognize it. Hypothermia is a lot sneakier. Hypothermia, I've heard of people dying from hypothermia off Hawaii. It happens. Absolutely. It happens all the time. And people people get to, to be hospitalized in Florida from hypothermia because... Yeah. A couple of Navy SEALs died not very long ago in training in Florida from in, hypothermia. Uh, in the water. And the yeah. water will... You don't understand how much faster. It's 25 times faster, but it feels even more than that. You don't understand how much faster you get cold. Like, I remember the first time I jumped off a boat scuba diving in hawaii i'm wearing a three mil which the water was 78 degrees it wasn't really warm warm but it wasn't like cold 78 degrees and it felt nice when you first got in it felt a little yeah there was a whoop and then oh this is not bad yeah this is not bad little fish (laughs) coral oh look at the you could see them they're 45 feet down and it's like you're standing right next to them very cool but it chills you right down even at 78 degrees so Hypothermia is when your core temperature drops. And when your core temperature drops, you feel your core temperature drop. You feel cold. So that's not the sneaky part. And then when you get a little colder, you start to shiver. That's not the sneaky part. And then you start getting clumsy and stupid. Lips turn purple. Yeah, none of that stuff is the sneaky part. But then you stop shivering. You start feeling better. And then you start feeling, you don't particularly feel cold anymore. Uh, that's because you have lost control of your skeletal muscles and you are so hypothermic, you're getting ready to drop into a coma. And if you continue to get colder and colder after a while, you're going to look really, really dead. But you may or may not be. Because the saying among the EMTs is, they're not dead until they're warm. 
and dead. Because there are some fascinating physiological reactions I would love to tell you about, but my partner might shoot me. I would not uh, shoot you. Uh, I do have our a control of the shooter. button here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I might turn the button off. I would not shoot you. He's a camera guy. He shoots me a lot with his cameras. <laughs> well, maybe I'd shoot you with a camera, but I, I'd just turn off the button and say, okay, okay, we're done. Okay. <laughs> so I'll, I'll pass on the big physiological explanation. But there's some cool adaptations we've got at some times when core body temperature drops fairly quickly. The metabolism in the cells slows down enough that they don't actually die. They just quit doing things without actually being dead, which is a different state. And many and people have, have sat up on the, on the, on the, uh, at the funeral home. After, or at the well, hospital after at they're the hospital, pronounced. Likely. After being pronounced dead, yeah. For they wake back up. Because when they, if you get them rewarmed and they're lucky during the rewarm procedure and don't have a adverse cardiac event because your heart misfires a lot of times when you're trying to warm them back up, that's the real risk, is heart failure from electrical problems. But if they don't have that or you successfully manage that and you get them rewarmed, people have survived ridiculous amounts of time, apparently, um, dead of hypothermia and still been revived. So it's worth trying until they're warm and still dead yeah. with hypothermia, but it'll sneak up on you. That's much for a modern thing, though. You know, like 500 years ago, you would never see this. Yes, the person might revive from hypothermia, but then they'd get really hot because you'd burn them because they're a witch. <laughs> they're a witch. Burn them. They're a witch. So if somebody's hypothermic, yeah, you want to heat them up, but you got to be careful how you do it. Because your first instinct might be, you know, you, you massage people sometimes when they got frost nip. Massage could be a good thing to help them warm right up. But you don't want to massage somebody who's got uh, hypothermia and you don't want them to move. If they are still, if they're only mildly hypothermic, like you say, man, you got to get up and move around or you're going to freeze. And they can actually process that information and get up and start moving. Then it's a good idea for them to move. But if they are not able to process information that well, if they are have lost significant motor control so they can't walk real well, you don't want to try and make a move, and you don't want to move them around a, move them around a lot yourself, as in moving their limbs relative to their body. You don't want blood circulating to the limbs until the core is warmer. Because if you get blood circulating back from the limbs, it's often colder than the core blood is. So you're like, okay, I'm going to start massaging this guy to help warm him up. You send the colder blood from the legs back to the heart, and the heart stops. So people can actually die during the rewarm if the limbs warm first and send the colder blood back to the core. So you actually, according to the Wilderness Medical Society, you don't want to rewarm them in something like a warm bath. You want to do, get like a warm bottles. Or uh, mildly warm heating pads or mildly warm chemical warm pads, things that aren't hot enough to burn them. Or, in a pinch, big dogs. Yeah. Dogs are good. Dogs are good. Dogs are good. Uh, if you have somebody who's not doing anything else useful and wants to ha try and save this person, give them a nice old big bear hug. Can be helpful, too. But you want to warm the core. Put those heat warm bottles on on the belly and under the armpits and uh, at the at the neck and places like that. And between to the warm legs, up the core between first. The legs. 
between the legs up high. Up high, right up, right up next to the to the hoodie and the hoodie hoo. <laughs> yeah. So you warm them up there first, and the the limbs will warm in time. This isn't frostbite, so they're not frozen. They'll come back when the core comes back, but you're trying to warm the core. And yeah, if you're walking a few blocks, you're the only way to get hypothermia in a short period of time is to dump yourself completely in ice cold water, and I really don't recommend that. Yeah. But if you are not completely wet, it takes a while to develop hypothermia because you have to suck away significant body heat. Now, keep in mind that when you working hard, you're working hard, and if you're not wearing wicking clothing, your sweat can get cold really fast, and you can create your own liver of, of, of dampness to cool you off super fast by your own sweat. I've had that happen. Yeah. I'll Especially it's bad too. if you're like, work, 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 and then you get on a snowmobile. Ooh. You can. You're oh holding my gosh, still you can and freeze. you got a wind chill. Oh, you can freeze yourself quick doing that. Yeah. So you got to have wind blocking clothing. And those uh, little bitty cheap emergency blankets are actually great for that. You yes, put they're those actually, over they're, they're the perfect wet for uh, this particular uh, warming up. You wrap people in those and then you put more wrap around the outside because they only do so much. But then you. Yeah. Actually, if you can get Fido to, to lay down on one, that's a hard thing. Depending Although most on of the time, dogs are pretty good about that. If they know their person is in trouble, they will... I'm, I'm going to be here and give you comfort. Okay, you lie on top of me and give me comfort. That You can get them to go for that often. I remember watching bike races where the, the bikers, of course, would be working like dogs getting to the top, so they were perfectly warm then. But right at the top, there'd be a bunch of spectators there holding out newspapers. newspapers. Yeah. And as the cyclists rode by, they'd grab newspapers and stuff them down their shirts to provide a wind block, because they were going from working hard going up to, to seventy miles 35, an hour yeah. at six thousand feet or eight thousand or ten thousand feet. Yeah. It's really cold. Everybody's wearing a coat up there. He's giant. Of course, they're in shorts and and a short sleeve jersey because they've been you know riding across the eighty to ninety degree plane and working hard. And they just stuff the the newspapers up there in front of their chest to reduce the evaporative cooling. So those are the actual two main injuries. And they've got very different characteristics, and there's some, some tricks to taking care of them. I've got full articles on each one of those on 3BY that are basically all pulled from the Wilderness Society's information, but I tried to make it prepper-friendly and, and handy for you. So you might want to check those out. All right. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you the next time. i got to hurry up and get this thing posted. It's time to get this article posted. All right. Talk to you later. Bye.